Hey, what's up, church? My name is Mike Mora, and I am privileged to be the student director here at Propel. And, and it is an honor just to have another opportunity to be here and share God's word with you today. We have been in the middle of a series titled Made for Mondays. And, and I don't know about you, but this series has been just like perfect for the season of life that I'm in. Like I've always been the guy to rush through the week like really, really love the weekends and, and just in, indulge in that and have fun with family. But then I always have this just like nervousness and this angst and just like this dread to go to work on Monday. And, and maybe you're like that, but I, I think if anything, this year in 2020, it's, it's almost been worse for me, right? Like so many crazy things have happened throughout this year. It's like I dread the next week even more in fear or like wondering like, okay, what's gonna happen next, right? And so- this series has just been right on time to kind of help recalibrate my thought process. And, and it's our prayer that through this series, you've been able to shift your focus and shift your perspective from, I have to do this, I have to go to work, and I have to go do this or that, whatever that is for you, to I get to go to work. I get to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so that's our prayer for you. Um, today and, and the weeks past. And, and I'm just happy that I get to continue in that conversation of being made for Mondays with you here today. So I'm going to be talking about um, how we can cultivate our character. I believe that if we want to be made for Mondays, it's going to require us to examine and strengthen our character. Growing up, I've been, I've been told this story about how when I was just a little toddler, little little baby Mike. I was just learning how to crawl. And, and apparently my, my dad waved a dollar bill in front of me and was like, hey, son, if you can crawl from here to the edge of the carpet where the carpet ends into the kitchen floor, I'll give you this dollar. Now, let's be honest. I don't remember this. I've just been told the story and I've been asked to retell the story and clearly didn't know what the value of a dollar was at that age. But I knew that my dad had something that I wanted and all I had to do was crawl for it. So I'm crawling, right? I'm crawling. You got the Rocky theme music playing in the background, right? Dun, 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 dun. Like, I doubt that's how it really went down. But when I'm telling the story, it sounds way cooler when the Rocky theme music is playing in the background. So I'm crawling. I'm getting after it. And apparently, right before I get to where the carpet ends and the floor of the kitchen begins, my dad grabbed me by my ankle and pulled me back, looked down to me and said, son, if you don't get the job done, you don't get paid. Now, while I understand that that's probably not the most like sought after parenting advice in 2020, it definitely taught me a few things. It taught me that, that I have to work hard at what I'm doing. I have to see two things to the end and, and finish strong. I need to execute and do things with honor. But it also taught me that while I'm on my journey, while I'm going to, from point A to point B, there is gonna be opposition. They're going to be distractions and, and, and things that try to pull us back in this world to keep us from moving to where we want to go. And it's in those times of opposition that we have to make choices and decisions. And those decisions ultimately either weaken or strengthen our character. And so a lot of times we, we understand that these lessons shape us as we grow throughout our life. And we'll say things like, oh, well, you know, that's just, that's just the way I was raised. And while that may be true, I, I want to submit to you that, that we were actually created and designed to have a character like God so that we have the opportunity to, to share that love and, and be kind to others and, and help 
just share the, the love of Jesus with those around us. And so today, if you're taking notes, the first thing I have for you is this. We must allow God to cultivate our character. We have to let God cultivate our character. You see, our character is something that is constantly being developed, right? It's an ongoing process throughout our life. Like character development doesn't just stop at a certain age, right? You don't hit 35 and it's like, oh, all right, character's in check. I'm good to go. Let's keep living life. No, no, no. Every decision we make either strengthens or or weakens our character. And so oftentimes we're we're evaluating ourselves or we're being tested in a way, you know, we will say things like, oh, well, that's just how, how God made me. You know, maybe we'll say things like, well, I'm just not that gentle of a person or I'm just not that compassionate or, or my favorite, we'll, we'll tell somebody off, right? We'll say some things about someone and be like, well, that's just the God's honest truth or I'm just telling them how it is. That's just how God made me. Not realizing that the words we're using are, are actually tearing them down and, and separating them farther from Jesus, Let's see what uh, scripture says about that in, in Genesis 1, 27. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So scripture teaches us that we are made in the image of God. We can't be made in the image of God and not be compassionate and kind and gentle and, and, and humble, right? So like, while we may have been raised certain ways and, and we may not have the, the desired character that we want, we can't go around and say things, that's how we were made. We, we really need to begin to evaluate ourselves when we say things like that. See, what, what I believe is, is, is that's not how we were made. That's just who we are now based on who and what we've allowed to shape us. I'm gonna say that again. If, if you're struggling with bitterness or anger or, or uh, restlessness towards others and, and you're just always an a angry person towards people and, and you think that's just how you were made, that's just who you are, let me tell you, that is not how God created you. That's who you've become based on who and what you have allowed to shape you over your lifetime. In the book of Timothy, we see some instructions on how to combat this uh, I am who I am and, and, and that's just the way it is based on our surroundings. So, Paul is writing a letter to his protege, Timothy, and he's talking to him about the church in Ephesus, right? So Timothy is, is working with the Ephesians. This church has been built, uh, but they started to stray away from the teachings of God. And so Paul is writing this letter to Timothy um, on things that he needs to present to the church and help the church kind of work through. Uh, but then at the end of the book of uh, 1 Timothy, Paul gives some instructions to Timothy as well and how he needs to guard himself because he understands that the, the environment that he's in can be toxic. If we look at um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, um, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 6, 11, there we go. Uh, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. So first of all, we see Paul is referring to Timothy as a man of God. Why is that important? Well, we have to understand that that term, man of God, was used primarily in the Old Testament to to identify and to describe the prophets or the people that spoke on behalf of God. So guys like Moses and Samuel and Elijah and David, that term man of God wasn't used in the New Testament 
except for here when he's describing Timothy. So that tells us that Timothy is a man of good character. He's a man of God. He is someone who, who makes wise choices, who has good character. So there's something at risk here. There's something at stake. And he says to flee these things. The things that Paul is talking about, if you look at the previous verses, is, is false teachings. The ideas and this, these things that are being passed down as knowledge and truth that don't line up with the gospel, that's being spread throughout this area in, in, uh, in Ephesus. And so what we see is that he's saying, hey, flee these things, Timothy. A lot of times scripture will tell us to stand firm in things and to fight things and, and to, to you know, battle and, and go up against the, the adversary. But in, in this, Paul is saying, hey, flee from the false teachings. When we're fleeing from something, we're running away from it to avoid being captured. Paul understands and is teaching Timothy that these false teachings and these things that are going against the, the words of Jesus is, is able to capture our soul and affect the decisions we make, therefore ultimately affecting our character. And so um, the next thing he says is uh, we need to pursue these, these things. We need to pursue righteousness and godliness and uh, faith and love and steadfastness. And Paul's describing characteristics of God. So we got to flee from the things that are teaching us otherwise and, and start fleeing towards or running towards and pursuing the characteristics of God. What does that look like? It's a life of serving others, standing up for the, the neglected and caring for the neglected and sharing the gospel and making disciples and just really worshiping God in every area of our lives. A few verses later in 1 Timothy 6, 20, 21, um, it says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irrelevant babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. So he's saying we need to deposit and guard what's deposited into our hearts. That is the Holy Spirit, the, the word of God written on our hearts, the gospel of Jesus. And we can't allow the world to cultivate our character because when we do, when we allow these false teachings and these things from the world and society and culture to, to begin to influence our character, it doesn't just change us and our character. It has the ability to, ability to swerve us from the faith. And so now our eternity is at risk. Our, our relationship with God in eternity is at risk if we begin to swerve from the faith. So we have to remember that uh, and be aware that every decision we make either destroys and, and uh, weakens our character or, or strengthens our character. So when we're pursuing these characteristics of God, it, it will help us make decisions that, that strengthen our character and, and ultimately um, be more like God. And, and, you know, we, we just have to allow God to cultivate that in us and, and ask for him to help us to be more like him through our days. The second thing I have for us uh, today is that wise counsel strengthens character. In the same way that bad company corrupts good character, good wise counsel will help strengthen our character. This is why as a church, we talk so much about being in biblical community. We, we believe that small groups and being around people that will help you and encourage you and hold you accountable are so, so important because this wise counsel will actually help strengthen our character. It reminds me of a story from uh, 1 Kings chapter 12. Um, there's this guy named Rehoboam. And so uh, King David has already passed away. His son Solomon was then the king and Solomon's son, King Rehoboam is now in charge, right? And so he was a young ruler. He'd just taken over and, and uh, some of the leaders of Israel come to him and say, hey, 
like, man, your dad was a, was a hard leader. He was, he was wise, but he, he gave us harsh labor laws and he taxed us very high. And so I want to pick up there in 1 Kings 12, verse 4. And it says, these are the, the leaders of Israel coming to King Rehoboam and says, your father was a hard master, if they said. Lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us. Then we will be your loyal subjects. See, Rehoboam was this young, new leader, and he wasn't really sure how to respond or what he could do. And so ultimately, he, he was like, you know, I, I'm not sure. Can Give me some time to think about it. Come back in three days, and I'll have your answer. So then we pick back up in uh, verse 6. It says, Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice, he asked. How should I answer these people? The older counselors replied, if you were willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men, instead asked the opinion of the younger men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burdens imposed by my father? The young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. That is a huge difference in responses. First of all, let me say, if somebody comes after me with some scorpions, like it's going down. Like we, We're going after it. Like We're just not going to do that, right? So we see that first the, the older counselors were like, hey, if you serve them now, if, if, if you're a servant towards them, that, that's a characteristic of God. They will be your loyal subjects forever. But then the other people were like, man, those are complainers. They start tearing them down. Those people are complainers. Can you believe they want us to lighten the load? It's almost like they feared that if he was soft on them now, they would revolt and, and try to take over and take advantage of him. And so ultimately, uh, if you continue reading, King Rehoboam takes the advice of his younger adversary, like his younger uh, peers who, who told him to, to harshen and make, make, it, make it more harsh. Harshen, is harshen a word? Make them more harsh uh, labor laws, right? And so um, what ends up happening is that the leaders revolted against him anyway. And now the kingdom was split in, into multiple kingdoms there in Israel. And, and so it just ended up not working out well. Ultimately, we have to be aware that we either are going to listen to wise counsel or we're going to listen to people who tell us what we want to hear. We're going to listen to people who feed our fleshly desires. Paul talks about this a lot. He talks about how there's going to be a time where we're only listening to people who, who tickle our ears, right? Things that sound good to us, that align with our preconceived notions and things that we want, like all of our fleshly desires. We can find people to say things that line up with that. We have to be aware that that is not the same as truth. That's why it's so important to be in God's word on a regular basis. One of the primary ways God talks to us and speaks to us is through other people. So if we're getting counsel from someone and it doesn't line up with what scripture says, we can know and identify that's not wise counsel. That's why knowing God's word is so important. If we're not familiar with God's word, things may sound good. And that's, again, the, the fleshly desires coming in that sound good. And we begin to stray away from the life that God has for us. In Psalms 1, 1 through 6, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So we are blessed if we don't walk in the counsel of, of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, 
nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So it's so clear, like, hey, we can't be with the, the unwise people. We, we have to be meditating on the law. That is God's word, day and night. Be familiar with it. And look what happens when we do this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does, he prospers. And then in Proverbs 12, 5, uh, Scripture says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. That doesn't mean that we always just have to listen to people who don't agree with us, right? We just have to be willing and, and able to, to try to discern the difference between wise counsel and, and, and false teachings, so to speak. Do you wanna have people around you that are helping strengthen you and your character? Or do you just want people around you telling you what you want to hear? It's the wise counsel that strengthens our character. The last thing I have for you is this, is that good character increases your influence. Now, in a world of Instagram influencers, let me be clear, that's not the point. That's not the goal. The goal isn't to increase our influence so we can say, hey, look at me. Living a life like Jesus is the goal. That's the whole purpose, being more like Jesus. And when we're living a life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, we'll begin to attract people. Like that's an attractive way of living, right? Like people recognize that. And when we're constantly treating people the way they wanna be treated, people wanna be respected. And so when we're constantly doing that, we're gonna gain more influence in their lives and in the lives of the people around them and us. So by default, when we begin to live like Jesus, and when we have good character, our, our, uh, our influence will increase. And when we do that, we now have the ability to tell more people about Jesus. Think about it this way. Like when, when we're looking at gaining our, our platform or increasing our uh, influence based on our character, that's really determined um, in moments of, of testing and opposition, right? Like the decisions we make in times of, of uh, serious, you know, times will determine if, if we're, you know, going to go one way or the other. Think about like TV actors, right? So TV actors, they have the ability to stop and pause and cut and retake a scene and edit until it's just perfect. But we all know that's not real life. Like what happens, happens. And so oftentimes life is more like uh, a live stage performance, right? Think of a Broadway show um, and you've got some people who come out maybe at the wrong time. Maybe they forget their words. Maybe they fall down and like bring half of the set down with them, Right? That would be insane. A good actor knows that no matter what happens, they must never break character. Always stay in character. And so a, a poor actor or someone with less experience may break character and, and they're not gonna have the ability to continue in their career or probably have a less likely chance of being successful in their career. But someone who kind of goes through that in, in a moment of opposition but stays in character they're probably gonna have the ability to increase their ability to, to do more things and to have more leading roles. In the same way, our character may never be known until it's tested. We may have good intentions, but that's not the same as good character. Author Kevin Gerald says it this way, good character is the moral strength to maintain our pre-planned course of good intentions in the moment of opposition. Good character is the moral strength to maintain our pre-planned course of good intentions in the moment of opposition. 
I believe we can't go any farther and talk about good character and, and maintaining that in times of opposition without talking about David. Now, David did a lot of incredible things um, in his lifetime, and so this is by no means every account that, that we know about him. This is just kind of like a highlight reel of some of the things that David went through. We know that he started off as a shepherd boy, uh, herding uh, and, and kind of protecting his father's sheep. And we know he had a bunch of other brothers that were, you know, big like buff warriors that like, you know, were more um, adored, if you would say. And so uh, he started out... Um, working in the fields, but, but he was then anointed king. But the way that happened was, was Samuel came to, to Jesse and was like, hey, God's told me that one of your sons is going to be the future king of Israel. Show me your sons. And so all David's brothers were like, okay, here we are. Which one is it? And, and Samuel finally realized, like, none, of these, none of these people are it. Do you have any other sons? And they were like, oh, yeah, there's this guy named David in a field. And so he was a complete afterthought, but ultimately was anointed as a king. But after that, we see him, he goes back to the field. Like his time wasn't ready yet. Then he was, he was summoned to play a harp for, for King Saul at one point. King Saul was being tormented by these spirits, and the only thing that would help settle him was someone playing the harp. And so again, David wasn't even recognized as someone that had been anointed by God, just somebody who looked kind of good, who could play the harp pretty well, right? He honored Saul, and he stayed humble, and he continued to be a man of good character, but he also continued to help her uh, be with his father's sheep. And then we have the story of Goliath, right? Once again, David wasn't even part of the initial plan. He was just taking food and refreshments to his brothers who was a part of King Saul's army. And when David got there, he saw that, man, there's this giant here and he's like talking smack about God's people. Like what's going on? And he ultimately, you know, defeats the giant. But in that moment, he, he remained a man of good character. He didn't allow pride to come in and start boasting and, and just being some uh, person that you would imagine someone may act like, right? I love it because he, he remained good character and, and it even says in 1 Samuel 18, 5, says, whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. So we see David is going through these tests and these moments of opposition and each time he's making choices that strengthen his character, and now we see that his influence is beginning to increase. His platform is beginning to increase. He's now ruler over King Saul's army. Ultimately, what we see is that other people started really uh, liking David, and so King Saul begins to get jealous, and is like, man, these people are singing songs about David. What about, they used to sing songs about me. All right, we're gonna kill him. We're gonna kill David. So he tells his son, Jonathan, and gets some guys. He's like, hey, we, I want you to get rid of this David guy. He's, he's done enough. But then in 1 Samuel 19.4, Jonathan, his son, is saying, uh, the next morning Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in, a way, in any way he could. So again, Scripture is reminding us that even through all of that, even through all of those increases of, of his platform and his influence, David remained honorable to his king. He remained humble. He remained a man of good character. Ultimately, uh, King Saul agreed not to kill David, and then a little bit later, he, he, that tormenting spirit comes back, and 
he's in the presence of David and he throws a spear at him and tries to kill him. David gets away. It was this crazy thing. Uh, Saul starts chasing David over the next, the course of the next little while, going through different cities and the wilderness and caves. And there were even a few times where David had the opportunity to kill King Saul. He was being chased. Like he probably would have been okay in, in the eyes of most, but, but scripture says that David's conscience wouldn't allow him to kill Saul. He was still his king. He was still in a position of authority and honor. So David respected that. He remained a man of good character. If that's not a man of good character, I don't, I don't know what is, right? I mean, he had people come and chasing after him to kill him, and he had the opportunity to, to defend himself and kill them, but he chose not to. He remained a man of integrity and good character. If you continue reading, we, we know that David eventually becomes king of Israel and continues to do many great things. But the point is here is that we, when we live a life keeping our character intact, that is God-honoring, our influence will increase, just like David's. But again, that's not the goal. The goal is to share the gospel, to share the good news that Jesus came to earth and lived a perfect life and died on a cross for my sin and your sin so that we can have a right-standing relationship with God. It's just that as our increase, as we increase our influence and our, we get raised to higher platforms, we have the ability to tell that message to more people. That, my friends, is the goal. That's the purpose that we have. That's what we've been called to do as followers of Jesus when our influence increases. It's not so that we can boast. It's not so that we can and, you know, fill our heads with pride. That will happen. So we, again, going back to the wise counsel, why that's so important to have people holding you accountable because as your influence increases, the enemy's gonna try to use that against you. I believe that when we allow God to cultivate our character, when we seek the wise counsel and we stay in character in times of opposition, we will have increase. Maybe you're, you're watching this today and you're thinking, yeah, Mike, I, man, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know what I've done. The decisions I've made, the mistakes I've made, the things that I've done are so bad, my character is flawed. Like there's no change in that. I just wanna remind you that David, the guy that we've been talking about, the guy who scripture says was a man after God's own heart, wasn't perfect. Sure, he did a lot of really cool things, but he also made some mistakes, You see, when, when David was king, he was hanging out on his, on his balcony one day and he saw another man's wife bathing and was like, yo, I want her. So ultimately he gets another man's wife pregnant. And then he tries to cover it up, right? He try, tries to cover it up. And when his initial cover-up plan didn't work, he made the, the, the husband who was already in battle be moved to the front line so that he would surely die. But ultimately God still restored him. We got to see how David responded. So, so ultimately after that, uh, prophet Nathan came and was like, you know, kind of told this story and David was like, why would somebody do that? And he, you know, God revealed to him in that moment that Nathan was talking about David and he realized then like, oh, wow, I have sinned against God. And, and, and what, what we're called to do when, when we have made mistakes is to come back to God and repent and, and to come with him. And in and, and Psalm 51, we see David's prayer of repentance. And so, I love what it says in verse 16 and 17. It says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. I love that this because David is acknowledging that there isn't anything he can do 
to fix his mistake, to fix his character, to put that back intact. He says, God, there, there's no sacrifice willing that I can give you that you desire. The only thing you desire is a broken and repentant heart. So when we come to God just as we are, broken and in, in, in asking for repentance and in, in asking for forgiveness and, and help to, to change our ways and to turn and, and start running back towards God, God honors that. He, he honors that. He, 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 you know, he won't reject a broken and repentant heart. Ultimately, David and his, his new mistress would become his wife and their, their first son would not live because of the, the punishment of how that had happened. But ultimately she would go and give birth to Samuel, the, what scripture says, the wisest man. And so he would go in to do many good things. And so our past mistakes do not discredit our character when we submit our lives to God. Your past mistakes do not discredit you or your character when you submit your life to God. God has the ability to restore us and to restore our character. So now I just wanna kind of pray for, for some of us who have been working on this, who've been followers of Jesus for a while and we're, we're just trying to keep our character intact. And so God, right now, God, I just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that, that you, would, um, you would draw close to us. You would allow us to draw close to you, Lord. Help us, God, to recognize your character. Help us to be more like you. God, in times of opposition, I pray that you would give us the ability to stay strong to our preconceived intentions and moral intentions that we have put in place, Lord. Give us the strength to continue to fight for that and to come out well on the other side. Help us to be more kind and compassionate and loving like you. Lord, I pray that you would put people around us. You would surround your children with other people who are seeking after you, helping to encourage us to be more like you, help us to just be surrounded by wise counsel. Lord, I pray that as we have opportunities of increase in our lives, that, that you would help rebuke the enemy, rebuke any pride or selfish gain or fleshly desires that come up, Lord, with us. I pray that we would be able to just recognize that for what it is and, and stay focused on you. Help us to be men and women of good character. Help us to make wise choices that help strengthen our character so that we have the ability to share your love and your purpose for other people with others. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I also recognize that, that maybe some of us have, have never asked God to come into our life. We've never begun that relationship with God, and so we don't really have the ability to have God cultivate our character. We don't have that ability to hear from God because we haven't made that first step in committing our lives to Jesus. And so today, if that's you and you want to make that decision, I want to help walk you through a prayer. If you would just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I put my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name. Amen.